the other thing too, of course, that I'm looking forward to uh, with my check is that uh, when we loaded up the beta languages, we didn't, for whatever reason, uh, enable the text-to-speech function on our flashcards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy going through our flashcards with text-to-speech mm-hmm. because seeing it and then hearing it yeah. helps to reinforce it. Yeah. And uh, so I'm looking. That's hopefully this week. That'll be up on the site. So I'll get even more out of the uh, out of the uh, the flashcards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great too. Is is that <clears throat> an interesting thing for me in, in Korean? Was for a long time I just listened and I didn't do very much reading. I was mm-hmm. a very lazy reader, and so I found when I would read texts that you know you have this sub voice that every time you read something you're saying it in your head, mm-hmm. and when I would say a word. In my head, I'd be like, "Oh, that sounds really familiar," and I would recognize it from some other phrase that I'd heard or something. But I think inversely, if you don't have that listening experience or exposure or the years and years of, you know, constant exposure to the language, then it's a huge benefit to be able to hear it and then match that, and it, it allows your brain to much more easily remember it. Absolutely, and and uh, I mentioned on my blog, there's research now that shows that that uh, people who have dyslexia. Mm-hmm that that is connected to their inability to hear well or to distinguish certain things about language. Uh, There is no question in my mind that listening is very much connected with reading. I mean, from an evolutionary perspective, we were listening and telling stories and listening to stories for tens of thousands of years before writing was invented. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, naturally, we're we're more, uh, you know... In sort of uh, programmed to understand to understand things that we hear, and mm-hmm. to me, writing is just like having a, a recording machine. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> before they had dictaphones or MP3 players, they wrote. Yeah, so it's just it's just a, a recording, mm-hmm. like we record something by hand mm-hmm. in writing. Mm-hmm. So there's a very strong connection, and that's why I certainly and and the more I listen to something before I read in a foreign language. The more I'm able to vocalize, mm-hmm. the better I'm able to vocalize. The more familiar I am with the text. So there's a real uh, there's a real connection. Mm-hmm. The other thing you mentioned too, which was interesting, is as you're sub vocalizing, which we certainly do when we read in a foreign language, mm-hmm. much more so than in our own language. Yeah. And you sub vocalize it, and in sub vocalizing or even in reading it, you're more conscious of the connections between different words. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of building vocabulary. Is is building up, recognizing these connections. Yeah. And then that enables you to acquire a lot of words incidentally, words mm-hmm. that you haven't even deliberately tried to learn, but you're becoming more attentive to the connections between words. Mm-hmm. And in fact, for me, when I do flashcards, I do them mostly to see connections between words. Mm-hmm. Like I'll often go into our vocab section at Link and I'll deliberately review them in alphabetical order mm-hmm. because then you're going to see words that are variations on the same or a similar you know, right. core or root. Yeah. And that's so important to build up that attentiveness, attentiveness to the connections between words. Mm-hmm. And, and reading does that. I mean, reading is, is very powerful when it comes to vocabulary building. There's no question. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, too, with that, that there is... I know when I read in Korean, for instance, I do way more sub-vocalizing, as you said, than I do mm-hmm. in English. But I can do it without kind of that conscious sub-vocalizing but mm-hmm. I find that then I kind of miss something to it because the one process that I enjoy is is the process of sub-vocalizing or if I can reading aloud mm-hmm. because then I hear my own voice mm-hmm. and then those phrases and those words stick better 
than just the meaning of what it's saying. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, it's just that sometimes we're, you know, whatever we're doing, we have like five different goals. Mm-hmm. So we have to decide which one we're going to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> so reading out loud is good because it helps to ingrain. It's that sense of repetition of mm-hmm. getting the neurons to fire, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know. So that's good, and yet you're anxious to move ahead in the book, so you mm-hmm. want to read for meaning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you want to focus on certain language patterns. Yeah. And so, yeah. It's tiring, it is. Yeah. But, so sometimes but it's that's good. why I think you can read more than once uh, the same text and focus mm-hmm. on different things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and for sure, like um, repeating what we hear, like I know an early stage in, in any language, it's often useful to walk around, you know. Uh, doing stuff at home, repeating phrases that you've just heard. And mm-hmm. uh, all of this helps to ingrain these words and phrases in your mind. The problem is that, that uh, we can't do it for every word and every phrase that we have to learn. Yeah. Uh, but it's sufficient. Like, I'm a great believer in a sort of random approach. Yeah. So if you <laughs> randomly uh, repeat certain words and phrases, that's going to do it. You can't possibly. Like, if I mm. have to learn 30,000 words in Czech, I don't know what the number is. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat them all to myself. I can't possibly do that. Right. Uh, similarly, I can't possibly review all the words and phrases that I'm saving. Mm-hmm. But even if it's done on a random basis, mm-hmm. and even if it's not scientifically programmed, spaced repetition, like I'm sure that's very effective, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also quite helpful to do things on a random right. basis. And to me, the main thing is just to do things that you enjoy doing that are convenient for mm-hmm. you to do. If I had to sit down every day for one hour and religiously review all my <laughs> words, I, I wouldn't do it after yeah. a while. Yeah. So, so I think it's important to tell people, if you are disciplined enough to do that, mm-hmm. go for it. I'm sure that's very effective. But if you're not disciplined enough or if you don't have the time to do it, don't worry about it. Yeah. Even if you're doing it sporadically, it's going to help you. The main thing, though, is to make sure you spend the time. Mm-hmm. So today you're more motivated to read on because you're interested in the subject. Some other day you're more motivated to read out loud. Mm-hmm. The third day you're motivated to do your flashcards. As long mm-hmm. as you're spending time with the language, yeah. you are, in fact, going to improve. Yeah, and I think that's touching on a good point, too, of the accessibility of language learning. Because a lot of people, I think in a traditional approach, you think you need to spend concentrated time on it every day, and a lot of people think, well, I can't really, you know, juggle that many things in my life. You know, mm-hmm. if they have family, they have kids, they have work, they have other things that they have to attend to. They think, well, I can't possibly learn another language. But I think that that very fact of, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there, reading on the way to right. work or listening or something, just getting it in. It's a random approach, but I think the exposure is absolutely beneficial. Well, yeah, I mean, we see there are people on YouTube who talk about how they spend six hours a day learning languages, uh, and they do learn them, mm-hmm. and they're good at it, and, and that's commendable. Yeah. And I know that uh, when I studied Chinese, I went at it, uh, you know, very intensively, uh, as five, six, as many hours as I wanted. I was paid. That was my job. Mm-hmm. I could spend five, six, seven, ten hours at it every day. Mm-hmm. I did very well. I learned very quickly. I mean, in eight months, I had learned Chinese. The Russian's taken me four years, you yeah. know, <laughs> at an hour a day. So, But realistically, most people mm-hmm. have trouble patching together an hour a day. Yeah. So, but if you're a full-time student, uh, obviously uh, you can be much more methodical, uh, thorough, uh, you should be more Mm -hmm. disciplined, all those things. Mm -hmm. But uh, people who aren't in that position can still learn. Yeah. And I think that's it. The joys of language learning are not reserved just for the few elite who have, you know, four hours free a day. Exactly. 
So, insofar as learning a language from scratch, uh, I'm very happy with my Czech. And I have the impression, uh, now that we have, well, we have Arabic, Polish, and Dutch up there as well. Mm -hmm. The Dutch, I think, would be a breeze. Mm -hmm. I've had a look at some of the Dutch texts. I don't think it would take very long. Yeah. Between German, (laughs) English, and Swedish, whatever. It's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, The Polish looks a little bit daunting. I think I might do that after Czech if I feel motivated. Mm -hmm. But I've still got to slide my Korean back in there. But the one that scares me is Arabic. Yeah. <laughs> the, the biggest thing with the Arabic is the writing system. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and there again, everything that we don't know scares us. Yeah. Uh, anything. Like I, I, I drove down to California. Mm-hmm. Never driven down to California. It seemed like an awfully long way to drive. Mm-hmm. Now that I've driven down to California once, my wife and I went down and enjoyed ourselves there in, in Santa Rosa. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal now. Yeah. Because I've done it. Yeah. And I think if I got started with Arabic mm-hmm. and uh, started writing those characters, those uh, little squigglies <laughs> from right to left, yeah. once I get used to it, yeah. it's just the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big factor in language learning. Mm-hmm. It's that fear of the unknown. Yeah. Czech is a breeze. I've done Russian. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've, I've you know overcome the first hurdle. Uh, Chinese. Having done Chinese, Japanese was a breeze. Mm-hmm. Even Korean was no big deal because mm-hmm. I had done the Chinese, the characters. I was into Asian languages, although they're not related languages. Arabic now is like from nowhere. <laughs> like it's wow. But uh, it's just a matter of getting started. Yeah. Getting started mm-hmm. doing it. So. And I think that's the thing too of, of having the confidence in the fact that, like you said before, you read a text in Czech, you know, three words. You listen to it five more times, and then you read it again, and you know seven words. Right. But I think uh, a lot of people get very discouraged at that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it it takes the know-how to understand, like, every little step counts. And, and every little bit that you do is going to help you in the long run. Absolutely. And and just to finish off with this whole issue of, of speaking, everyone mm-hmm. wants to speak. And uh, people have, have different sort of objectives in terms of, of how... They want to use the language. Mm-hmm. So if your objective is simply to go to Mexico and, and, and be able to say a few things with the locals, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which case, yeah, you start doing that. But uh, I must say, in the case of my Russian, uh, I know from experience now, I mean, I manage quite well in Russian, mm-hmm. in speaking. Mm-hmm. And yet, overwhelmingly, my activity has been passive. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't want to speak, but because there's no one to speak to here. Yeah, <laughs> And I can't program my day around finding people to speak Russian to. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that, that at a point in my Russian where I can't communicate very well, that some guy that I meet in a shopping center is going to want to spend, sit down and have a cup of coffee with me just to amuse me. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so I'm confident that in this process in my Czech, that as long as I keep letting the words flow in, I don't mm-hmm. have anyone to speak to, but I'm building up my vocabulary, passive, mm-hmm. but it's going to start converting itself to an active vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And when I have the opportunity and when the need arises, I will stumble and stutter and yeah. struggle, but I, I, I will eventually be able to use many of those words. Mm-hmm. And of course, the more I speak, the better I get. Mm-hmm. So obviously, uh, people should speak mm-hmm. when they have sufficient confidence in their vocabulary or when they have the opportunity or if their goal is to use it for simple social situations by all means speak mm-hmm. but I have the confidence in what I, in terms of what I am doing in Czech now yeah. that what I am doing is going to enable me to speak I mm-hmm. don't feel a need to speak now mm-hmm.
But if if uh, and right now I probably couldn't say anything, <laughs> but I would say in a month, yeah. If I hear someone speaking Czech in a store, mm-hmm. I may just say my three words of Czech <laughs> and then run because yeah. I won't understand what he's saying. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll starting wrap it up. from scratch. There we go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for listening, everyone.